Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think so. Like, we've we've played finals the last five years and we we we're less than a goal away to play five prelims in a row. Mm. Um, so... We've been knocking at the door, and when we first started playing in the finals, we were a very young team. Now I feel like we've gathered a whole lot of experiences that will stand us in good stead for the future. And for, unfortunately, our list isn't that old, and the majority of our players are about to come into the peak of their careers, I believe. So, um, and in going by their attitude that they've returned, you know, I, I think that will make us hungrier than ever. And, and we believe that, you know. If we play well enough, we're good enough to do it. Um, it's easy to say it's harder to do and you need a little bit of luck with injury and you don't know how much some of the other teams are going to improve. But um, our group now have played in the grand final. I, I said to them after the grand final, look, before today we had three blokes that have played in the grand final. Now I've got 23. Yeah. And you'll all be better for the experience. And, um, you know, we milked that for all it was worth in the two or three days post the grand final just to, you know, remember the lessons, lock them away in the vault. Hopefully we get back and get another chance. That was Brisbane coach Chris Fagan talking about the experiences of last year in particular and obviously uh, several of the previous seasons as well. I was talking to Mark Stone, who's back in Perth now. He was a a senior assistant coach at Brisbane last year. He's a bit of a stoppage guru. I asked him how he thought the Lions would go in 2024 and his comment was he couldn't see them being any weaker. So there's a lot of talk. A lot of hype about Collingwood. There's a lot of hype about Carlton and whether they can get up there and in amongst it as well. I think Brisbane are going to be a very hard team to beat. Dr. Peter Larkins has been the go-to for footy fans and footy media for as long as I can remember, at least a couple of decades. If you want to find out what a particular injury means and what the likely downtime and what the likely recovery is going to be like. You talk to Dr. Peter Larkins. He joins us on the show today. Doc, welcome. Yeah, Duff, nice to talk with you again. Hope it's nice over there. It's hot, mate. It's been... The weather forecast has been hot for two weeks. It's hot for the next week or so. Hopefully we get some milder conditions heading into uh, the autumn after February. But I guess... uh, uh, if you're freezing cold somewhere, you'd probably be looking for, for a bit of sun. But, um, hey, West Coast sent three players to the Middle East at the end of last year. Two of them were obviously key players, uh, Jeremy McGovern and Elliot Yo. We've missed a lot of footy over the last three or four seasons. Can you just talk us through, not questioning the move at all, just talk us through why yeah. they go there, what they hope to get out of it, what is there that they can get that they can't get elsewhere? 
Look, I think the, the second part of the question is easier to answer, and that is that there's nothing they can't get elsewhere. It's more a change of environment, a change of attitude, a change of voice that's talking to them. Um, so a lot of these facilities, and there are many, there's, they're in the US, they're in Europe, obviously the Middle East. It's really like a full-time commitment to a rehabilitation centre where it's like going to school. You know, the bell rings at 8 o'clock and you go to the first class and it's a strength class and then the bell rings and you go to your, your stretching class. So it really is just a more intense version of what's available anywhere. But often it's been shown that psychologically the players really feel that the clubs are investing in them. Uh, they feel like they're having a you know complete devotion. Let's say it's a chronic hamstring problem where they just haven't been able to get on top of it with their local facilities. So there's nothing magical about what's available. It's more the application and the time that they spent, which is often six to eight hours a day. Now, with McGovern and Yo, we're talking about a two, three, four-year pattern. Well, in Yo's case, a four-year pattern where he's been injury-prone. In your experience, is it possible to reverse that? Elliot's not 30 yet, so I guess he has years on his side, yeah. but is it possible to turn something around when there's a there's a pattern like that ingrained like that? Look, the answer is that it's possible, but the general pattern is that once a player's got a history of recurrent soft tissue problems, and there are dozens of players over the, the time in the league, as, as you said, that have had that, but Often it's related to the structural design of the of the player's own tissue, and so it becomes a, a battle of physical conditioning along with the apprehension and psychology. So you can, I mean, a lot of it is is just due to the recovery being too short in previous times and and bad luck. But but look, I'm, my general answer is that players that are injury prone to soft tissue, particularly say hamstring or calf. Um, tend to have it occurring right through their season and there's no magical scientific thing designed in medicine that's really overcome that. There's not many sports that place the physical demands on players that uh, Aussie Rules footy does, is there? Like the the all-round athletic requirement of Aussie Rules is is quite a unique challenge for athletes. I agree and I think if those, you know, the listeners who watch the Super Bowl, whilst it's considered to be a massive sport, a lot of people find it a very stop-start sport where the players, you know, they're moving very little distance and some of them don't even touch the ball in an entire season. Whereas in our AFL game, you know, it's a, it's a 360 degree. I've always said, I've seen a lot of sports around the world, Duff. It's a very athletic sport. You're jumping, you're landing, you're twisting, you're tackling, you're sprinting, you're bending over. So the physical demands on, on a player's body over four, five, six, let alone ten year career are quite dramatic and that's why the training and the pre-seasons and the preparation become so important as does recovery uh, and so you're right it, it's it's a physical game and there aren't many players that have done you know four or five top seasons that aren't carrying some reminder for the rest of their lives of a of an injury they might have had during their playing time. Interesting one with one of the West Coast youngsters, Elijah Hewitt, who has sesamoiditis in his feet. And yep. I'm, I'm told it's a condition he would have had from a young age. How common is it? And, and, and what's the, um, obviously without talking about Elijah specifically, what's, what's the prognosis and the likely treatment for that? It's a common in sports where players do a lot of running on their toes. So athletics, dancers are very well known for the sesamoid. So it's a bone inflammation under the big toe joint where there are two little bones about the size of the a, a normal pea size and they're associated with the, the strength of the, of the joint, the tendon movement up and down. So anyone that does a lot of running on the front of the foot or landing on the front of the foot. Um, in footy, we don't have a very common examples of it. We've certainly had you know many over many, many years, but, but it's not as common as all the injuries we talk about so and it often occurs from a younger age like you said the treatment generally 
normal is to unload and look at orthotics and look at footwear and, and things like that. But that would have all been done at, at West Coast level. So when it gets to a, a chronic stage, those little bones can be removed by a surgeon. So you're not removing you know, the toe or the, or the main joint itself. And so the surgery becomes the final option. But often they'll go through a, a specialised program at a dance medicine place, which uh, Victoria's got a famous dance medicine group over here, the physios who look after the dancers. So that's probably the final step in trying to see if he can avoid the surgery treatment. There's one more West Coast one, and then we'll move on to other things, Doc. Um, Liam Ryan's now got hamstring tendon damage in both legs. So he did one last year, did the other leg in pre-season this year. Is that a concern, or is it possible to make full recovery from from, um, both those injuries? Well, as long as it's not recurring repeatedly in the same spot in the same leg, we expect hamstrings to do well with appropriate treatment. We've all seen the trend overseas and stuff where players are missing more time with a conservative approach, particularly if a tendon is involved. So the most likely cause of having ongoing hamstring troubles is when you've had one before. So if a player's had four in the right hamstring, that's a bad sign. But having one on a left and one on a right and getting proper rehab that's not a big deal because hamstrings are the number one soft tissue injury you know, in, in AFL footy, so it goes with the territory, so to speak. But, but you know, having one or two isn't a problem, but when you start to get multiple ones, it becomes harder because the tissue is prone and more fragile in the future. So I wouldn't be alarmed with Liam having a couple, but obviously it's something that gets, gets monitored because it has ruined many players' careers when they've had four or five over uh, four or five seasons. Doc, there's been a lot of talk about concussion protocols. There'll be more talk about it in the coming years, I suspect. Are you happy with the protocols the AFL is in place? If you're not, where do we need to head, do you think, to, to make sure players are protected? Look, I'll say that the AFL's embraced all the information that's been given over the years to change, and we've seen enormous change in the landscape of the way a head knock and a concussion episode gets managed on match day in the last decade. So am I happy that the AFL's listening to the medical advice that's been given nationally and internationally? Yes, I am. I think, you know, the protocol is very fluid. It's evolving. And there's no one player you know, program that's going to fit the next player. So, you know, whilst one player might have the this, you know, 12-day guideline and come back because he goes through the training and he goes through the rehabilitation, another one will miss four. So I think the protocol is pretty good because the doctors are, are really much, very much aware of the media focus and the legal focus on the management of head injuries. Um, I don't think we've got it perfect as yet. Of course we haven't because we know that we still don't know how to prevent the concussion. So we're now talking about managing them and treating them. I'd like to see a bigger focus on, on the ways we can prevent them. And I think we've, we have got duty of care of players and we've got protection of the head over the ball and we haven't got the spear and sling tackle anymore. So clearly that's come along. So you can give a tick to the AFL and a lot of sports stuff that, you know, that have brought in the advice on how to to look after a player when it happens and it's just that the problem is that we don't really predict how long it's going to take players vary so much and we've seen that with the new protocols for junior sport and 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 um, amateur sport that where the you know sports commission has recommended 21 days and that's only a recommendation again it's not scientific but it just means more conservative because those people don't have access to the medical care that an AFL player would Doc, could talk to you for hours, I reckon, about different injuries. No one knows more about uh, the different injuries that afflict AFL players than you do. You've been uh, a fantastic asset to media people like myself and others over uh, many years and look forward to talking to you again on the show. Thanks for joining us this morning. 
Well, one thing about footy, it always throws up topics to talk about. Uh, I'd like to bring good news from time to time, Duff, but uh, hopefully we uh, we don't have to talk about too much serious stuff in the West. Good luck. Yeah, clarity, I think, is what you bring, mate. And uh, it's not always good news, but at least people know what's going on. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Dr. Peter Larkins, of course, uh, one of the the great banks of knowledge that uh, AFL Media have uh, available to them to talk about what's going on in footy. We'll take a break. Be back to close up the show after the break.